This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Becky Well Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Still plenty to get to here on the program, including, of course, the game of the week between the Dolphins and the Ravens. But now it is time for, well, it's Friday. You know what we do every Friday. It's none other than John Daigle. He uh, will be joining us uh, in just a few moments. And uh, we were talking about during the break about uh, some MVP plays that went well and not so well for us in terms of trying to project who's still very much in the running and all of that fun stuff. So, yes, that will be uh, interesting to say the least as far as that goes. Uh Let's get into John. Let's get to John here now. Uh, make sure to follow him on X at non non not Jay Daigle uh, for all and of not. his fantastic insights. John, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. Greatly appreciate it. So you know this whole MVP conversation has been fascinating because while I know that Lamar Jackson is sort of the the flavor of the week, I guess at the same time, like the counting stats aren't there. And so to me, it seems like he's still very much susceptible to losing that top spot if, say, he loses to the Dolphins outright or, say, Josh Allen goes nuclear and somehow wins uh, the AFC East. What say you? Who do you feel like are the, the real contenders who can still win this award? I still think it is down to Dak, Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, although I disagree with the sentiment that he's the favorite or should be the favorite and Josh Allen. Um, I agree with you in that Lamar does not have the counting stats, although it is a quarterback award and unlike coach of the year, which is a fun argument to make this season. It's not also, or it's also one that the wins do matter for the award, which is why it's a dumb award to give away to begin with. But here we are (laughs) arguing in an ambiguous season. Who's it going to be? And genuinely it's now just coming down to, who has the easiest schedule over the next two games. And even for the Bills and Josh Allen, still a great spot to bet Josh Allen, honestly. And we do know, although they beat Miami, a 28-point win earlier this season, it's also been an entirely different Dolphins defense since they got Jalen Ramsey back. I know the argument for a little bit there was because of the schedule they've played in that time, but just to also limit the potent Cowboys offense does make you think that it's going to be an entirely different game between those two teams, Buffalo included, and Week 18. So to me, that's still the pool. It is wide open, so the longest number is probably the way to bet it here among one of those four players. But honestly, like I'm just I have such tired head talking about it. It's a lot like the draft market. <laughs> And that it was constantly wavering overnight. And eventually we just got, I just got to the point where I was like, there is no way CJ Stroud can go outside the top three because he's just too good of a quarterback. Someone's playing games here. That's kind of the way I feel like it now, where I'm just done with it because the numbers have moved so much for Purdy to fall flat. And 
was it a bad performance? Yes, but there was a lot of other things that went wrong in that game. I, I can't imagine mm-hmm. it plays out like that if we played another 10 times as well. So I'm just waiting for it. But right now, I still think Purdy, Dak, and, uh, and yes, Josh Allen are still my three favorites. Well, you brought up Coach of the Year, one of my favorite markets, and we've seen Dan Campbell, McDaniel, even uh, D'Amico Ryan's at the top of the board, but now Stefanski, a heavy favorite, deservedly so. Uh, Do you think this is his award to lose? And before that win last night, he was tied with Dan Campbell at BetMGM at plus 175 each. It's honestly the only award they give out that they put reason into. And they should treat every award like this, where it's nuanced, and we can make it a case-by-case basis. Even two years ago, remember, with Zach Taylor leading the Bengals to the Super Bowl, not only did Mike Vrabel win it for making the most at the least, which is usually what this award boils down to, everyone forgets Rich Passaccia got voted third over Zach Taylor, who got fourth. Because, again... Basaccia stepped in as interim coach and got the most out of that Raiders team, which is why I also kind of think Antonio Pierce, he's not going to win it, but he's going to, he could actually finish top three in the award. And then last season, Brian Dable, everyone remembers over Nick Sirianni. So if you're just asking who has made the most out of the least, I do think it is Kevin Stefanski and then whomever wins the AFC South. And right now that's also a a giant toss up. It seems like we're getting CJ Stroud back in a favorable matchup the the dog i'm watching right now is is playing with pizza underneath me i got him a new toy and he's obsessed with so apologies i threw it in the living room apparently uh yes it is it's a little rocky come here well i'll try i'll try to make him appearance later we're a big dog show Yes. He runs away whenever I try to steal pizza from him. Um, But no, so I do think it's going to be boiled down to D'Amico Ryans, Shane Steichen, uh, and probably Kevin Stavansky. Those are my three guys. And with CJ Stroud coming back, we did see Brock Purdy and Trevor Lawrence struggle when they returned from concussion. Also, we've seen wide receivers struggle as well in their first game back from that injury. So I do question with Stroud, like being on the sideline with a serious concussion in the last two weeks if he's going to be at full strength. But it's such a soft matchup that I can't imagine he fails in this spot. So it is favorable considering that the Texans are also uh, coming down to two division games these last two weeks. Let's get to Saturday night uh, between the Lions and the Cowboys here because on the Cowboys side, I think it's safe to say that C.D. Lamb could have a monster outing just in terms of going up against this Lions defense. Not great against slot receivers. And look, you know, the Cowboys at home, massive, you know, massive positive regression due for them. But it's also possible this Lions offense goes nuclear as well. Who do you feel like are the best prop plays, the guys you can back in this contest? It is completely terrifying because, yes, I do like the over. Uh, I'm glad this one stands alone on Saturday night because I do not think either defense can stop the other offense. But where I lean is that the strengths of both offenses are really what work best here, whether it's the Dak and the Cowboys passing offense, as you mentioned, for regression through the air against this miserable Lions secondary, or on the other side of the ball, everyone does think that the Lions can get there in the passing game. Maybe they can, but honestly, it's the running game that matches up so well with this Cowboys front seven that also cannot stop the run. So where I lean is David Montgomery overs, 
Um, BetMGM and other books have figured out that Jameer Gibbs has hit his longest rush prop in nine consecutive games. So they stole that from mm-hmm. us, but I'm waiting for it also to be released. Even something, because the highest they've gone so far is 16 and a half, and it doesn't matter. Gibbs is always good for a 20-yard play every single week. So I'm waiting on that to be released. But I do think the running backs are the biggest part here. So much so that, again, it's, it's like I mentioned with Carolina last week. I put real money on this. It's my worst bet ever, even though we got there with the Panthers last week. But I do also have Jared Goff under passing props, under 254.5 last I looked, because of how poor, actually, he matches up against the way the Cowboys play defense. One of only two defenses playing man coverage with the Patriots on over 40% of their defensive snaps. And that's what Goff has struggled against this year. They do have the pieces, like Sam Laporta, who I think is in a bounce-back game that has historically performed well this year against man in particular, like he did against the Broncos. But overall, I do think it's a game where they don't need to pass the ball, honestly, because Montgomery and Gibbs are going to have so much success. So whether it's Montgomery over 13.5 carries, over 55.5 rushing yards, I think believe it was last I looked this morning, uh, that's actually where I'm leaning in this game. Yeah, I like that. I like the Lions in the run game for sure. What what are your other favorite props for the weekend besides this game? I'm on a I'm on a lot of totals this week, but that includes mm-hmm. New Orleans Saints and my favorite prop of the week is Chris Olave over receiving yards. Uh, we've seen now in his last Eight healthy games, he's seen at least eight targets. He's getting the opportunity. And last week, which feels like an eternity ago, it doesn't even seem like the Saints played the Rams point this season, let alone just last week. But whenever Olave returned from his ankle injury, they did release his prop at 63 and a half, and I thought that's far too low. And then, of course, he went up last week, albeit in, in garbage time with Derek. But it's the same thing this week. It's only 66 and a half, and it's such a soft spot against this Bucks secondary that it struggled even to cover Trevor Lawrence fighting through an ankle injury and C.J. Beathard when he came off the bench last week. Not only that, but the Bucks and Todd Bowles are blitzing at the league's third highest rate, and Chris Olave has 26% of the team's targets against the blitz. So it's a spot where I'm going right back to not only that prop, but also laddering it up over 100 yards because I do think it's a great environment for both sides of the ball. That makes a whole lot of sense. And uh, it's something where I have backed uh, sort of the Saints as a teaser leg here, still trying to figure out what to pair it with. Sure. But I do think uh, the Saints can at least keep this game close. Divisional rivalry, lots of fantastic matchups over the years, even though the quarterbacks have changed. I think still the essence remains the same. So that definitely makes a lot of sense that Olave could be a big reason why the Saints keep this thing close. As far as the Rams and the Giants are concerned, what are we to make with Tyrod Taylor here? Do you feel like that he can do enough to keep the Giants competitive in a game like this? Or is this something where the Rams can blow the Giants out of the water as they sort of contend for uh, one of those remaining wild card spots? And if the Rams do go nuclear, is it more because of Kyron Williams or because of the passing attack? It's most likely due to both, because now we've seen with all three on the field, Kyron, Puka, and Cooper Cup, the Rams are averaging over six yards per play. Like, their offense has been outstanding, and it only helps that Cooper Cup seems to have been over what was his second injury a few weeks back, because these last three games, he does look to full strength. Not only that, but we know Wink is going to send the house. He's never seen a defensive snap that he doesn't want to send everyone on. And Puka has also, like Alave, seen a majority of the team's targets against the Blitz. So I do like Puka in this spot 
to bounce back as well and just back it up with another successful game here. But honestly, it's a situation where I think everyone gets there and I get most excited about the Rams offense in this one and any props you want to bet because, as you mentioned, of Tyrod Taylor, who now we've seen him come off the bench a couple times this year, even on Sunday night against Buffalo a couple months back, and he does provide pop. It's all relative when I say he's been the Giants' best quarterback, but genuinely, he's been the Giants' best quarterback. <laughs> Even last week, coming off the bench over eight yards per attempt, threw it deep to Darius Slayton, who I am backing yet again in this game since we've seen the Rams' defense really fall apart. Their young players sort of dwindling over this last part of the season as they get accustomed to just the, the ebbs and tolls that the league takes on you towards this part of the year. So I do think Tyra Taylor actually provides a lot of juice off the bench, and that's how we're going to get this over. I think the number is still too low. I bet it on Sunday. I bet it on Monday uh, because I do believe both offenses will have ease moving the ball in this game. You mentioned that you like a lot of totals this weekend. What's really caught your eye where there's still some value? That is another one. And then I am also on, although I've lost confidence in the Chargers Broncos. I admittedly bet it on Monday because I understand like no one probably watched Saturday. No one, everyone was doing family things. We could Having political arguments. <laughs> Yes, we were, we are having political arguments with our family. There was just no way we could make time for football. But although the Chargers <laughs> lost by two points, nothing changed under Giff Smith's defense. They were still just as bad as ever. Six and a half yards for play for Buffalo. Uh, Josh Allen went over 11 yards per attempt. And Jared Stidham, his performance against the Niners last year lives written free in my head. It was literally one of the best performances by any quarterback all year long, and I don't know. So I do think Stidham will add some juice to the offense, and the number is now going down last I checked, still hovering 38. So I did bet the over on Monday. And then also the over is very clearly like the cleanest spot possible for Brock Purdy to bounce back. You, could, you couldn't pick a better one. Purdy still leads the league with 10.5 yards per attempt from a clean pocket, and here come the commanders who are the only defense creating pressure on under 30% of dropbacks since they traded Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Uh, not only that, but Jacoby Brissett, as we know, has come off the bench the last two weeks, ruined our Terry McLaurin pop props in two weeks straight because McLaurin wasn't doing anything from Sam Howell, and all five of those possessions Brissett has commanded have ended in touchdowns. Uh, not only that, but the boundary is where the 49ers are weakest, just from a personnel standpoint as well, allowing the second most catches to opposing receivers from out wide. So whether it's the over in that game or Terry McLaurin over receiving props, I think that game has a lot of pop too. So what are we supposed to do about Sunday night football between the Packers and the Vikings? Does it even matter who's starting for Minnesota, given just how putrid this Packers defense has been? I know the public, like the handle is coming in on the over. I get it. I'm still very worried, though. Uh, Jaron Hall does add something a little extra. He's carried the ball on four of his 14 dropbacks. He's going to run a lot. That's who he was at BYU as well. And so I think he'll move the ball. I do think it's going to be a slower paced game though. The Vikings defense is also over the second half of the season, as we know, still top 10 in basically every category, EPA per play, success rate on dropbacks. So overall with the injuries also combined in no TG Hawkinson, Jordan Addison looks like he's going to go, although we don't know if he's at full strength and we don't even know if the passing game has a ceiling from Jaron Hall. Not to mention, we are still waiting on 
Dontavian Wicks and Christian Watson. Watson, who doesn't seem like he's going to play. Jaden Reed seems like he'll eke it out. I think there are enough injuries, honestly, in that game for me to still be on the under, despite Joe Barry uh, hanging around just because the organization's lazy. It's very clear that they just don't want to do anything at this point. They're just like, yeah, sure, he'll figure it out. And then they're going to fire him at the end of the year. But there's too many injuries for me, and just it's such an ambiguous game that I don't want to bet on the over. It's also amazing that Nick Mullins, I, I know what happened the rest of the game, but it's incredible that he can come off the bench, throw for 400 yards, and even the coach was like, yeah, that, it doesn't matter at all because that dude was just praying it beyond 20 yards, and uh, the other team was having a better time than the Vikings were. Five seconds, dry January. You in or out on Absolutely that? not. Absolutely not. Good. No way. Yes, I no. love it. I, I, I am too much of a I'm too much of a beer connoisseur, and uh, I love making cocktails as well. No way, absolutely not. <laughs> What's your My go-to guy. cocktail, real quickly? I make all of them. Uh, I actually grow my own herbs for the cocktails as well. Wow, awesome. but bourbon party Bur- at Daigle's. Bourbon and mezcal. Bourbon and mezcal. Bourbon cocktail. Yes. Nice. John Daigle, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. More games, including Bills, Pats, Chiefs, and Bengals right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Brady got to a certain point there in 03. And that's pretty much the way it was the rest of his career. Wasn't really like that in 02. It wasn't like that in 01. Certainly wasn't like that in 2000. But like once he got to a certain point there about the midseason of the 03 season and then in the playoffs and then from then on, it was you know, his level of performance and play and consistency was at the very top of the league. This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. A very excited and animated Bill Belichick talking about how great Josh Allen is. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. We will get to Pats and Bills in just a bit. But first, let's talk about the Falcons and the Bears. Chicago three-point favorites here. The total has gone up to 38. So let's quickly talk about what we like here. Aaron, what's your play? Hmm. Bears or nothing. I don't like anything about this Falcons team, so I have a problem laying points with a team that I simply just don't trust. I really don't have a lot here. I mean, the Falcons are putrid. Two and four ATS on the road. And also playing in Chicago this time of year typically is not an enjoyable experience for the visiting team. So it's Bears (laughs) or nothing for me here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I have Falcons or nothing here uh, written on my notes. Uh, oh, in large part gosh. Because, 
Do we yeah. have more oh, agree? no, I'm, I am fading. <laughs> I am fading the hawk here, and I'm doing it boisterously. Uh, look, Bears need a ground game to be effective. I, I think that's safe to say. Like, don't expect, you know, Fields to sort of air it deep to DJ Moore every single time. They do need to establish the run game to win. But I think this Falcons defense uh, on the ground, I think it's been extraordinary. And especially taking a step forward against the Colts, that is a unit I really do respect. And look, as someone who can't stand the Falcons on a variety of fronts, whether it's Homerism or my model or just the quarterback play, whatever it is, like I'm very uncomfortable saying this, but I think the Falcons run defense is why I think they can keep this game close, maybe even win this thing outright. Falcons defense uh, against design runs uh, per next-gen stats, minus 242 rushing yards over expected. That's second best. More than 25% of carries gain more yards than expected. That's second best. Uh, 66.8% defensive success rate. That is number two in the NFL. There's a reason why other teams are being forced to pass a good bit more than, say, they're comfortable doing. And do you trust Justin Fields as a passer? Uh, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. To me, I don't in this spot. So I'm going to back the Falcons here, Paul. I'm with you on the Falcons, Ed. Uh, Heineke wow. limited, but looking like he should play. Yeah, I like. I I hate that I'm backing the Falcons and Arthur Smith this week. I hate that I'm backing the Saints this week, but here I am. Uh, Falcons defense has been top five all season, still playing at that level consistently. Bears bottom ten in pressure rate allowed with Fields. Obviously, that kind of negates that a little bit, but he's twelfth uh, in bad ball rate, so definitely an opportunity for. Uh, turnovers there. And this Bears defense that is number two in the second half of the season, EPA per play, still middle of the pack and opponents' yards per play allowed. They have the second most interceptions in the NFL. This definitely contributed to some of the success. Two-thirds of those came in a four-week span. Five-week span, four-game mm-hmm. span. Um, Jared Goff threw three, Josh Dobbs threw four, Goff outside threw two more, Flacco threw three, including a pick six. Joe Flacco, love story, pick sixes. Just wanted to mention that again. In that stretch, they also, and then outside of that stretch, they also played Bryce Young and Kyler. Like, they're, it's not exactly a murderer's row. Not that the Falcons are a murderer's offense. Murderer's a member of offense. murderer's row. Thank you. Yes, that. Falcons are not Babe Ruth, famously. Uh, but they, uh, you're giving me three. You're giving me three with the Falcons. Like, the Bears, this is the same argument I had for the Cardinals last week. More than a field goal. The Bears were laying more than a field goal. They are now laying a field goal to a much better team. As crazy as it is to say about the what? Falcons. It's going to be the Falcons catching the points. Wow. Much better team than the Cardinals is what I'm saying. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I guess that's just the problem with the Falcons. You just never know which version of them you're going to get. So I'll be on the Bears. And I also mm-hmm. wrote a note. Um, if you can see it, maybe you can't. Remember uh, kind of? to talk trash the Titans? when the Bucks oh, and the Bears dominate. Yeah. Yes. Mental note, in case I forget. I'll become penmanship is way better than mine, by the way. If I were to try I don't know and if show you can my see it. I think my lights are oh, no, so I bright. See. It was kind of washing it out. Okay. Like half a second I could read it, clearly. But the, the penmanship certainly helped. Like, if I tried to write anything down, it, it would be preposterous and chicken scratch. But, yes. Yeah, I am the, all team we're terrible doing power penmanship, ratings for sure. What's that? I am uh, first team terrible penmanship, no doubt about it. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, yeah. Real I, talk though here. Uh, Justin Fields has the Bears. Like, I don't think he's that bad. I just don't understand. Is it because of what the Falcons did last week? Why you guys are so high on them all of a no. sudden? I was no. shocked this was oh, a three. No. I was shocked this was mm-hmm. a three. I think the Bears could win by double digits or at least Whoa. four. Yeah. Really? It's a wide range. No. <laughs> they're they're going to they're going to cover the number. All right. That's for sure. Uh yeah. okay. Uh how about we move on now to uh Patriots and Bills. Buffalo 13 point favorites with a total of 40. Goodness gracious, can the Bills cover uh, such a massive number against a divisional foe? That is the question. They need to limit the turnovers, that's for sure. And the Bills just gave us a scare against a Chargers team that, ooh, they're not good at all. So this is a tough one. I don't know what Bill Belichick is going to cook up here, but the Patriots rank 11th in defensive DVOA. And uh, the Bills rank 12th. So with a division game and it being, you know, potentially close and competitive, I think I'm just going to stay away from this one. I don't have a ton of interest on betting aside. I think the play I like more than anything else would be the Patriots team total under 13 and a half. And I know it's weird that we've been besmirching this Bills defense a good bit all season long just because the injuries have been mounting. They have not slowed down really good quarterbacks, et cetera, et cetera. So I know it's odd to say this, but I do think, you know, as you mentioned, Aaron, this Bills defense at times can play well. Certainly they did that Mm -hmm. against the Cowboys, so you got to give them their flowers there. But then you look at this Patriots offense, and regardless of who the quarterback is, they have the second lowest rate of throws to open receivers, meaning the nearest defenders at least three yards away. And that's not quarterback-centric. That's play design, play scheme, and the receivers themselves. That's been a big problem, and I know that the Patriots have had trouble keeping receivers healthy, uh, you know, specifically wide receivers, but still, though, there is a problem when you are forcing your quarterback into tight throws, whether they should be throwing them or not. So questions there, and then not to mention, in that last meeting, I get the Pats scored 29. The open target rate was higher than 5% of their average. That is not sustainable from one game to the next. I expect this Bills defense to play a good bit better. I don't really care about, say, the injury report so much as I do the scheme, and I think it will be ready. I'm not expecting Zappy to make a whole lot of really tough throws in this one. So Patriots under team total 13 and a half makes the most sense to me. You like anything here, Paul? Any thoughts there, Paul? I got I got nothing on this game. I think it would be Pats yeah. or nothing. Uh, I just – no, Zappy's moving the ball. The Patriots are moving the ball a little bit. I, I just, I got a number like this. The Bills are going to win by three touchdowns or three. So I'm just exactly. And honestly, I'm kind of upset. I can't do my money line rollover here uh, with the Bills. It's just a prohibitive price. But so next week we'll bring it back next week. <laughs> Minus eight hundred doesn't interest you, <laughs> or whatever right. it is. Good. We're we are up to. 700 from 100 so what would we yeah we would not even win a hundred dollars so we'll pass nice Mm -hmm. 
Also, by the way, Zeke under four and a half receptions uh, is a look that I like a good bit. I'm expecting, all right, he's going to be used as a rusher or not at all in a game like this. And certainly with game script, uh, you know, I think everyone else will be getting the targets. Let's move on now to the Bengals and the Chiefs. KC, seven-point favorites, though at BetMGM is slightly juiced uh, in the Bengals' direction with a total of 44 that has come down from 44 and a half. Aaron, what do you like here? Well, funny story. I was going through the Starbucks drive through yesterday and someone had a Kansas City Chiefs license plate. And one of my good friends, Pam, is a big Chiefs fan. But I was like, Pam, is that you? She was like, no, not the way this team is playing. It was not her, but it was uh, funny. I, I don't trust this Chiefs team <laughs> to cover six and a half here or seven. Like, this is just too many points. I don't know if they can win by margin. Um Kansas City has lost five of its last eight. I mean, this is awful. Jake Browning is regressing. I hate to say it, but I kind of want to pass. This is Bengals or nothing for me. I couldn't agree more. We're we're finally in agreement here. Yes, the Chiefs are just not designed to be able to cover large numbers. Like, I know they have done it before, but this offense is just too conservative to do such things. So that is point number one. Point number two is that, look, this could be a game where the Chiefs' rushing attack could be in a get-right spot, but Isaiah Pacheco has a concussion, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is dealing with an illness. So how much do you want to trust the running backs in a game like this? So that's point number two. And number three is Legereus Sneed's status is also a big deal. He's played really well, but they need all hands on deck with all of the weapons the Bengals have in this spot. Like, could this be a game where Pat Mahomes goes nuclear and he's able to thread the needle like he has or Travis Kelsey goes crazy, whatever it is? I suppose that's possible, but it is a very specific path where you need your stars to have, say, like 200 plus receiving yards. I just don't see that happening in a game like this. Regardless of whatever you think of this Bengals defense, this is something where you're going to need someone completely random for the Chiefs to cover this number. And we've said it time and time again, and we've seen it with our own eyeballs. The drops, the lack of trust with secondary and tertiary weapons. It's just not there. It's just not possible. So it's Bengals or nothing for me. I do agree with you guys, actually. So that's three in a row. Uh, Bengals have been bad against tight ends. So, like, yeah, if there is a path, it is that uh, Kelsey and Mahomes connection. I love Jamar Chase just pouring gasoline on this fire that is burning in Kansas City. <laughs> Talk, you know, just adding to the angst going on there. Uh, what? And it's amazing. Like, I feel like I'm talking into the void every week, but like, I'm listening to Nance and Romo talk about this amazing Chiefs defense. You can run the ball on the Chiefs and run it really well. Zamir White, another big game. Granted, most of, like, he had a big run at the end to go from around 80 yards to 130. Joe Mixon's number is 43 and a half. I just, like, the only thing that's holding me back is usage because they're working in Chase Brown a little bit more. I think Mm -hmm. that's an overplay. I just, I'm a little, I just, like, if you're going to beat the Chiefs, that is how. That is how. You just hand the ball to Mixon. We've seen it time and time again with running back after running back after running back this season. So I think I will end up playing Joe Mixon 43 and a half. I don't feel great about it just because they're working in Chase Brown. But is there is there any way else to attack that Chiefs run game? I mean, Brown obviously has a much lower number. Maybe he pops one. 
kind of like the McLaughlin-Javante-Williams combo in Denver. That was a thing for a little bit. So maybe you go with the the change of pace back with a, at a lower number. I'm looking at Jake Browning. I mean, his number's six and a half, and I know he's more of a statue kind of quarterback, but don't you think he could have some space in a game like this? Like, we'll see a dimension to him that we don't normally see in a game like this. That might be the one play where – because the Bengals do not run the ball efficiently. Like, they probably should run it a lot. Like, the attempts might be the way to go. But I wonder if this is more of a quarterback scramble kind of a game. Yeah, I would bet yards more than attempts on any of the running backs just because the Chiefs don't tackle. Like, yeah. so I, I'm not going to count on them handing the ball to Mixon 15 times or whatever it is. Uh, you know, if it's if he's only run the ball 13 times, I you know, he could pop a few and definitely go over that number. So that's kind of my handicap on that there. Good deal. Let's quickly do uh, Panthers and Jaguars here because I don't know how much uh, we care about this one. But uh, Jaguars six-point favorites here. Total is at 38. Uh, anything here that stands out to you, Aaron? Yeah, I love Panthers' money line plus 230. They were close to tying the game. And they I think they've just been better overall the last few weeks. I think the offensive line has been doing a better job. Maybe they're finally starting to figure things out. Um, Trevor Lawrence, there's just, I feel like the Jags are a dumpster fire. Trevor Lawrence, like he's got a shoulder injury. Is he even going to be good to go? He said Wednesday was better than Tuesday. That doesn't give me a lot of hope. So I'll be fading the Jags here. Give me Panthers money line. I like the under in this one more than anything else. We've actually seen this Carolina defense play well when it comes to deep passes, and especially if Trevor Lawrence is at 100%. I do expect him to go out there and play because goodness knows however many injuries he's dealt with this year, he's still been out there. But I'm expecting a really conservative approach, and they can do that and still win this ballgame. But I think his Carolina defense will stymie Jacksonville and no trust in Bryce Young whatsoever. So even though it's a low total of 38, I really like the under here. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Game of the Week, Dolphins, Ravens, all of our favorite angles coming up on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. things that uh, he's done throughout his career. I can vividly remember when uh, I was in college, I think he was in the NFL, and he reached out to me, you know, like told me that I was balling, and I thought that was like one of the coolest things. Tua is a phenomenal player, I believe, you know. Um, I seen him, I, I think it was, I don't know who they were playing, Georgia in a, in a uh, national championship game when I think they took one quarterback out, put him in, he threw the game winning touchdown. After that, I was like, bro, he's like he's amazing the amount of respect that i have for him who he is as a player and then and he's a baller like that's just flat out what what he is and that's what he does um i got a lot of respect for him his game is great you know phenomenal quarterback uh he's got to keep keep doing what he's doing just not this week 
This is BetQL Daily <laughs> presented by BetMGM from BetQL. To attack Viola and Lamar Jackson, these guys, I mean, they have incredible memories, like elephants, right? Like, they remember these quarterbacks, like, back to, like, middle school days. Because when you're really, really good, you remember everything. And now we get to see two fantastic quarterbacks go head-to-head in a fantastic Week 17 matchup. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Ed Egros and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. The Ravens, three-point favorites over the Miami Dolphins in this one. The total has come down slightly from 47 and a half to 47 and like I mentioned at the top here two quarterbacks who yeah they're going up against legit defenses but we've seen them do it and shine and be successful can they do that once again or will it be one quarterback or neither and maybe defenses reign supreme what do you think happens here Aaron well it's gonna be fun top seed in the AFC is up for grabs here The Ravens on short rest after they just handled their business against the 49ers. ATS, both teams are at the top of the league at 10 and 5, so no edge there. Last year, remember when they played and the Dolphins came back 35-14, they come back being down all those points and end up winning the game as three-and-a-half-point underdogs. Ultimately, I'm going to be on the Ravens side here. Uh, I think the difference could be we've got a bunch of guys on the Dolphins with cues next to their names. Now, I do think Miami, we've talked about this, I think, even last week. Like They tend to put a lot of people on the injury report, and I think they're just being super conservative. So I'm not going to overreact mm-hmm. too much, but Tua, Mostert, Hill, Waddle all have cues. You uh, Four or five starters on the offensive line are uh, questionable. So I'm not going to look too far into it, but I think there could be something there. And then the only one that's really a concern on the Ravens side is safety Kyle Hamilton. Now he's been phenomenal. He had the two interceptions. He was all over the place defensively against the Niners. And now he's got some knee issues. That's not good, but I think there's more injury questions on the Miami side. Uh, So I'm going to go Ravens minus three, a little bit of a revenge spot because of what happened last year. I don't think they got that sour taste out of their mouths. It is funny that this is not a division game, but in some ways it feels like one because there is so much familiarity. And the fact that the Ravens just came off of playing the 49ers and then they're going to get a similarly built offense that they're going up against. And yeah, the Ravens have been just been put in a grinder lately in terms of all the great offenses that they've gone up against. But hey, look, they've risen to the top for a reason. They have been there and they've, you know, looked at these challenges uh, straight into the eyes and they've been uh, very, very good as far as that's concerned. Now, not having uh, their full complement of safeties, that does matter in a game like this because of how well they utilize them. So that's a big deal. My model doesn't necessarily like picking a side here. It it has Baltimore minus 2.8. So when it was at three and a half, then probably backing the Dolphins would make a whole lot of sense. But now I'm kind of shying away from that idea. But there are lots of great props as far as this game is concerned concern that I definitely like and what's fascinating to me in terms of analyzing what Lamar Jackson can do in this game as far as looking at that side of the ball is yes this Dolphins defense has certainly gotten a lot better and quarterbacks are afraid to throw in Jalen Ramsey's direction and that all makes a ton of sense and I wonder too that yes Lamar Jackson is the front runner to be MVP for a reason but the fact that the counting stats and the efficiency stats 
do not necessarily yell at you. They don't jump off the page to say, yes, Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. I wonder if some point that catches up to him and that maybe now is the time going up against a really feisty Dolphins defense that, yeah, they came off of beating the Cowboys. We can't say anymore that Miami doesn't, doesn't do well against stiff competition like that stigma's gone now they can go up against the Ravens and showcase once again what they're capable of and I think also what matters here is you look at this Dolphins offense like yeah it it can slow down at times you can disrupt the timing of Tua but sometimes you can't like I look at what the Ravens have done against uh quick passes and they've been good like ninth in terms of defensive success rate Uh, They were also 13th against outside zone runs. Like, they're good, but they're not phenomenal. Just like when we look at Lamar Jackson's counting stats, they're good, but they're not phenomenal. And I wonder if some point there is some kind of weakness that we see in a contest like this one to where the Dolphins are able to exploit it and keep this game close. Yeah, the, the area I have circled, and I love this spot for the Dolphins. I've been saying it all week, which has really just been the last 24 hours, but I, coming off that huge win in San Francisco, look, Aaron, you mentioned it. They're all banged up across the board. Uh, the Dolphins are. Mm-hmm. But with Raheem Mostert out, the Ravens, surprisingly, as good as that defense is, and Ed, you kind of talked about this, their run defense is not – they haven't been not good. They've been terrible over the second half of the season. They are bottom half, They are bottom five rush defense and EPA per play. Give me some Devon Achan. I have not seen a number posted yet, but I'll definitely be playing his mm-hmm. props. I think he could have a big game. And also something to mention about Baltimore, they're tied for first in turnover margin. They have the most takeaways in the NFL. Like Miami's very much middle of the pack. If that kind of turnover luck evens out a little, like Miami basically stays where they are in the middle and Baltimore doesn't have a high takeaway game, like a little turnover luck does not go their way. There's still a juice three and a half out there. I played the three and a half. Um, so I... I would still play it at three. I'll be honest. I think the Dolphins are very live to win this game. Um, so I am definitely backing Miami. And then, like, if you're looking at if Waddle's out, Tyreek a little banged up, like, who else do you look at, uh, you know, as a target for Tua? Derm Smythe, I guess, could be an option at tight end. Cedric Wilson is another guy he's been looking at a little bit. So those could be some some options in the passing game as well. I'm glad you brought up the turnover margin thing because I think this matters a great deal in terms of, say, what you're going to do about Tyreek Hill. If this Ravens defense is very much a feast or famine kind of group, where either they're going to get a takeaway or they're going to give up explosives, does that mean you need to look at a Tyreek Hill ladder? One number that made sense to me was plus 150 in terms of receiving yards at 4-1. to one. Is that something that you guys might be interested in or maybe adjusting that number in some other way? Because if, say, we look at man coverage, for instance, yeah, the Ravens are really, really good in that department. Uh, Third and success rate, I believe, at last check. But it's not 100%. And maybe Tyreek Hill is just that good of a receiver to burn them when they go to man. He did have 99 yards against Dallas. Um, Gosh, I'm trying to see what other really good defenses... Jets, he had over a hundred. Um, yeah, I don't hate that against Philly. He only had eighty-eight. But um, you said one. How many? What was you want to so do? Alt number on Tyree? Yeah, that's too many yeah. for me. I, I 
I would consider it, and here's why. Because as I'm trying to throw out, like, Cedric Wilson and Durham Smythe, I'm kind of like, I mean, these are names. I don't love any of it. So if Tua just plays the hits and goes to his guy, like, that, that's the case with Waddle out. So, like, I I think I – if I had to choose between trying to play pass catcher roulette with one of the other guys or just be like, you know what, Tyreek, 150-plus, I think I would go with the Tyreek 150-plus at 4-1, to or honestly, 125-plus at 2-1 to is not bad either. I feel like saying to play the hits against this Ravens defense is a little disrespectful, Paul. Come on. No respect. I love the Ravens for Monday (laughs) night. I love the Ravens for Christmas night. Christmas is over. This is the time for the Dolphins. (laughs) Happy New Year. (laughs) That's that's I just think he'll find a way to get open. I think he'll find a way to get open, but I like I think I think after Mm -hmm. talking through this a little bit, it'll be Tyreek and it'll be Achan is where I'll be looking. And that's just it. Like if if you think that the Dolphins can win this game or you want to side them to cover the number, won't it be because of the star players? Like even though, you know, Mike McDaniel is is very innovative and all about the quick game, all of that stuff, at the end of the day, it's still the stars. And it's how they get open and how they get utilized. It's not so much some random person coming in and dropping triple digits. No, it's Tyreek Hill going crazy. I mean, I'm looking at uh, air yard share, team air yard share right now. And yeah, I know that Tyreek Hill has kind of fallen off a little bit. Uh, He's now, say, seventh in the NFL in that department. But he was leading the league for a little while. And I wonder if some point there is kind of a bounce back opportunity to where he suddenly becomes the guy again. And maybe it happens in this big stage. So Mm -hmm. to Aaron's point, and Aaron, I want you to weigh on this as well. Like maybe they don't let Tyreek beat them deep. Look, the guy can get open, but again, with like your other options are Durham Smythe and Cedric Wilson, what river Craycraft or whatever. Is it alternate Mm -hmm. receptions that we should be looking at instead? You can go 10 plus at plus 270, 11 plus at 4 to 1, 12 plus at plus 630, 13 plus at plus 880. They're going to get them the ball somewhere or another. It might not be for a shot play, but like, you know, underneath a little bit. What about like longest reception? Longest Mm, reception? Could that? I might look at that one. Because I also liked your initial thought on looking at Dolphins running backs like Achan to have a game as opposed to yeah. Tyreek. I might stay away from Tyreek. I did not see numbers for him yet, but they're probably waiting for Mostert to be ruled out and then they'll yeah. figure that out. I think Achan if might you... be the look here. Real quickly, if we expect the Ravens to win this thing, are there better ways to bet that result? Like say the bills at plus two forty to win the division, for instance. Yeah. I mean, then it comes down to next week. I'm assuming they beat the Patriots, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Or Tua MVP. You ready for that, Paul? (laughs) I might have to, right? I might. Although, if we're talking about a Tyreek game, does he get back into the conversation if he's doing one of these 150 oh. games? I don't know. Or at I least still think it's a quarterback award. Yeah, I'm still stuck on a QB. I, I couldn't do it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, a handful of teams still alive in the AFC playoff race. We'll get to those right here on the BetQL Network.